Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for all things horror content related from interviews, reviews, top 10 lists, and of course, everything in between. We're back this week with another uh, case of true crime meanness. That's a word, I swear to God. Today we're going to look at something called the Shark Arm Murders. Now, it's a weird one, and it's a little, you know... Off-putting if you are afraid of animals, sharks, the ocean, water, the sea, desolation, isolation, gore, being eaten alive. Anything, basically. If you're afraid of anything, this one's probably going to be a little bit strange. It takes place back in the 1930s, and it left investigators very perplexed. Let's just look into this more haunting and fascinating story, shall we? This is the Shark Arm Murders. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Now let's set the stage just a little bit here and go back to the year 1935. Of course this takes place in Australia because everything in Australia wants to kill you. And it was still recovering from the Great Depression. And Sydney's coastal beaches were a hub of activity. But in April of that year, a startling discovery sent shockwaves through the city. A tiger shark caught off Coogee Beach was brought to the Coogee Aquarium Baths, where something peculiar was found inside his stomach. It was a human arm. Now the shark's stomach contained more than just an arm though, as authorities investigated further they discovered a twisted tale of crime, corruption, and an unsolved murder. The arm belonged to a man named James Smith, who had gone missing a few weeks prior. The identity of the victim soon led investigators to a notorious figure in the Sydney underworld, Reginald Holmes, which is a great villain name. I know this is a real dude, but come on, my Reginald Holmes? God, that's a great like gangster name from the 1950s. That's so good. It's perfect. Fits the time. God, you couldn't write this any better. Reginald Holmes, known as the Shark Arm Man, was a small-time criminal with a reputation for his involvement in illegal activities. Holmes had been involved in shady business deals with another notorious figure, Patrick Brady, who owned a gambling and illegal drug operation. The two had been partners, but their brief relationship had soured over money, because of course it did, because they're criminals. It's the only thing that matters is money. The investigation revealed that James Smith had worked for Brady and was allegedly involved in a botched robbery of one of Brady's drug shipments. The theory was that Holmes, seeking revenge for the failed heist, murdered Smith and disposed of his body in the most gruesome and unusual ways, by feeding it to a shark. This macabre act of disposal shocked the public and captured the attention of the media. Newspaper dubbed it the Shark Arm Murders, and the case became a sensation. As the investigation unfolded, detectives found more evidence linking Holmes to the crime, including witnesses who claimed to have even seen him at the beach the night of the disappearance. However, just as it seemed the case was about to be solved, the plot thickened. Reggie Holmes disappeared, leaving behind a trail of mystery and speculation. Some believed that he had met a fairly gruesome fate himself, while others speculated that he managed to escape the country and start a new life somewhere else. With Holmes gone, the case became even more captivating. The public's fascination with the shark arm murders only grew, and theories and rumors circulated widely. 
Some believe that Holmes had not acted alone, while others speculated that he was an unwilling participant in the crime, coerced more by powerful individuals. As the years went on, the case remained unsolved, and the details surrounding the Sharkar murders became shrouded in myth and folklore. The story inspired books, documentaries, and even a song by the iconic Australian band Cold Chisel. Decades later, in 2005, a breakthrough occurred. A little something called DNA came to the forefront, and testing was indeed performed on the preserved forearm that had been extracted from the shark's stomach all the way back in 1935. The results confirmed that it did indeed belong to James Smith, strengthening the connection between the arm and the crime. Despite this, though, the case still remains open and unsolved. The truth behind the shark arm murders continues to elude investigators leaving behind a legacy of intrigue and speculation. Now there are some other theories that have popped up in the meantime because of course because the internet and well, just people in general like to come up with what happened to these certain unsolved crimes. So one theory that emerged during the investigation was that Reggie Holmes was not the sole perpetrator of the crime. Some believe that he had acted under the influence or orders of more powerful individuals involved in the criminal underworld. This theory does indeed suggest that Holmes was a pawn in a larger game, and his disappearance might have been orchestrated to protect those higher up in the criminal food chain. This theory gained more traction due to the apparent sophistication of the crime. Feeding a body to a shark to dispose of evidence seemed like a calculated and unusual method, leading some to believe that it was part of a larger scheme to send a message or cover up the true motive behind the murders. Another mysterious aspect of the case was Reggie Holmes' sudden disappearance. After the discovery of the shark with the arm, Holmes vanished without a trace. Some speculated that he met a grisly end, possibly at the hands of those who wanted to silence him and eliminate any loose ends. Others, however, entertained the idea that Holmes managed to escape the country and start a new life under a different identity. This possibility fueled countless rumors and sightings of Holmes in various locations, leading to a persistent mythology surrounding his fate. Despite the compelling theories and public interest, the Shark R murders remained an unsolved case. Over the years, different individuals have come forward claiming to have information or insight as to what truly happened. However, None of these leads have ever provided any concrete evidence that was needed to close the case. Now we mentioned 2005 earlier with the breakthrough occurring with DNA and the identification of James Smith's remains served as a reminder that the heart of the captivating tale lay a tragic loss of life. The media frenzy and public interest surrounding the shark arm murders had a profound impact on society at the time. It highlighted the allure and dark fascination that people have with true crime stories. The case also brought attention to the challenges faced by law enforcement in unraveling complex crimes and bringing justice to those involved. The Sharkar murders became an enduring part of Australian criminal folklore, leaving an indelible mark on the collective memory of the nation. It continues to be a topic of discussion among true crime enthusiasts, historians, and those captivated by unsolved mysteries. Now, with any cold case, the hope of closure remains alive. Advances in forensic technology and the emergence of new witnesses or the unearthing of long-lost evidence could potentially breathe new life into the investigation. However, this took place in 1935. We are almost 100 years from there, 
very close to 90 years at this point, if you want to get very specific. That's a long, long time for new evidence or new witnesses, especially, to come forward. If somebody comes forward and says, yeah, I saw that happen in 1935, that person is either a filthy liar, a time traveler, or immortal. I'm just going to let that hang there for a minute. <laughs> Now, we've mentioned the media a lot in this case, and media always plays a role in these big unsolved mysteries, and I'm going to get to a more recent case by the end of this episode, one that's fairly local. By local, I mean in Canada, anyway. We'll get to that at the end. But the media plays a role in every murder investigation, especially big high-profile ones that have known criminal overlords or underworld bosses or whatever in the mix. The discovery of the human arm inside the shark obviously captured the attention of the press and newspapers sensationalized the story, turning it into a front-page spectacle. And of course, the public's morbid curiosity was piqued because we're all sick fucks in the end, and they eagerly waited for updates and theories put forth by journalists. The media circus surrounding the case also led to a surge in public interest in sharks. People became fascinated with these creatures and their potentially carnivorous appetites. It sparked a wave of shark-related fear and paranoia among beachgoers, impacting the public's perception and relationship with sharks for years to come. Realistically, we shouldn't have relationships with sharks. They are cold-blooded fucking murderers. It's their nature. I'm not mad at them for it, but I don't want to go swim with sharks. They will eat you, or potentially eat you. It's their world, man. We're just invading it. Of course they're going to fucking eat us. Have you not heard of the Orca attacks along the Gibraltar Strait or whatever that thing is? There's been like 12 or 13 this month alone, I think it was, or in a month at some point. Wildlife is fighting back and I'm all for it, but I don't want to be around for it. I'm not going to go up to a shark and be like, hey, bro, sup? Shouldn't have a relationship with sharks. I digress. As the investigation continued, authorities faced numerous challenges. The limited forensic techniques available in the 1930s made it very difficult to extract conclusive evidence, which has always made me wonder how crimes got solved way back before we had DNA technology or video technology or even really photographic technology. A lot of these things were new concepts at the time, especially in the 1930s. We may have had one person in the fucking country with a camera and definitely not anybody other than high-end studios with film or video cameras. Again, I digress. Little tangent. That's okay. Let's continue on. Additionally, the criminal underworld's tight-knit nature and code of silence created hurdles for investigators trying to crack the case. Despite the challenges, law enforcement pursued leads and questioned potential witnesses, some of whom provided conflicting testimonies. The complexity of the case made it even more challenging to discern the truth. Another intriguing aspect of the shark arm murders is the alleged involvement of Patrick Brady, Holmes's former partner and the owner of the gambling and drug operation. While Brady was not directly impacted by the murder itself, many speculated that his shady dealings and criminal connections played a significant role in the events leading up to James Smith's demise. The possible motive behind the murders has also been a subject of debate. Some people believe it was purely an act of revenge with Holmes seeking retribution for the botched robbery of Brady's drug shipment. Others speculate that the murder might have been motivated by the desire to send a message or eliminate a potential witness to another crime. As time passed, the legend of the shark arm murders grew and various theories emerged as we've just gone over. 
Some suggested that the arm discovered inside the shark might have been a decoy, an intentional diversion to steer the investigation away from the true crime scene or the identity of the real perpetrator. Over the years, several books and documentaries have been produced attempting to shed light on the mystery surrounding the case. These works not only recount the events, but also explore the socio-cultural context of the 1930s in Sydney, Australia, providing a deeper understanding of the environment in which the shark arm murders unfolded. The enduring nature of the shark arm murders can be attributed to the combination of sensational elements, crime, mystery, sharks, and the exotic backdrop of Australia. It has become a captivating tale that not only fascinates true crime enthusiasts but also captures the imagination of the wider public. And that kind of brings us to the end of the episode. Now I did mention earlier about a Canadian true crime thing that is currently ongoing. It was reported by several Canadian news outlets in the past month that the bodies of two individuals were found in a place called False Creek in British Columbia, very close to Vancouver. Now, what makes this a special thing? Well, two bodies being found within days of each other in the exact same location is suspicious. The fact that they both visited the same clubs or social places anyway, as far as I understand it, is another coincidence. And they are both of the same ethnic background or similar ethnic backgrounds. This makes me believe that there is a targeted serial killer on the loose in Vancouver who is currently targeting young Middle Eastern men. The media won't say it, the police won't say it, so I'm gonna say it, and I'm probably not the first one to say it. Now last I heard there was rumors of a third body that was so decomposed that they couldn't make an identification of it, but I'm not sure if those are legitimate or if it's just kind of like internet rumors at this point. Nevertheless, it is a disturbing thing that there could be an active serial killer on the west coast of Canada. Who knows how long he's been active? Who knows how many more bodies they might find in this false creek? It's an interesting story. I'm going to keep you updated as best I can on it every week, provided that there are more updates available. I'm not a journalist, so I can't really just contact the police department and be like, hey, uh, what's going on? At best, they'll say this is an active investigation and we can't share any details. At worst, they'll be like, go the fuck away, you idiot. So anyway, that's kind of what's going on here. Just wanted to give you that real life true crime update. Anyway, my name is Casey. This has been the Ominous Origins Podcast, and if you like what you heard, please feel free to leave a five-star rating on Spotify. You can do so on the mobile app, or alternatively, you can still leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you prefer. Any five-star ratings or reviews will be given a shout-out on the show, provided you let me know what happened. And that's it for this week. If you want to follow me on social media, you can do so at Ominous Origins Pod on Instagram or on Facebook at Horror Shots. Until next time.